Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 330 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So we're talking about kids and sports and activities today and I don't know, dance lessons, art, piano, all of that good stuff. And it occurred to us as we were talking about this that we kind of skipped a whole year last year. I was going to say we, always, we do this every year, I think, except not last year. Did last year even happen? Did it? Did 2020 even happen? So fall of 2020, we actually, I mean, we tackled a lot of topics in fall of 2020, the return to school and virtual learning and We dug in, but I know for me, we moved in the summer of 2020 and then the focus was on figuring out what school was going to look like. So my kids were in zero extracurriculars at all in fall of 2020. And I know part of that was our move because if I I know in some areas there were ways to safely continue your, your sports, but for us, it was like, it was like the slate kind of wiped us clean. Um, so yeah, today we're going to look at Sports and activities kind of, I don't know, through the lens of what we've learned over time from having teeny tiny kids in swim lessons or gymnastics or whatever, all the way up through Megan, where you are, which is high schoolers and a middle schooler who are still kind of finding their way and trying new things. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I'm excited about this because this is one of those topics that like, for me personally, has changed year to year to year. Um, And so you know, like from when my kids were little and then the way I thought it was going to play out and then the way it did play out and just my feelings about their activities. So I feel like I'm like still learning every year. Like every time we revisit this, I feel like I have something brand new to say, which isn't always the case, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's like ever changing, ever evolving. It is. And I, I look back even on some of the episodes we've done about this and I can see like Sarah of four or five years ago, having pretty strong opinions about certain things that maybe have mellowed with time and a pandemic. It's like the way sports and activities work into your family culture, you might feel really strongly about for a set of years. And then 
then it changes. So yeah. I do think it's it's good to check back in. Um, but I also thought we would benefit from just doing a real-time check-in of fall 2021 in our areas. And I can go first on this, but we're recording in early September and COVID and school and Delta has definitely been a thing for people all over yeah. the country. And I know like last year we did this a lot where we just said like, what's it like where you are? Are people wearing masks? Is it like, what's the What's the norms? And I think we like to leave room for the fact that regionally things are very different. And and so we're not ever going to be like, well, all moms are worried about this and all schools are doing right. this because we just know that's not true. Um, and I can go first here. But um, where I live, it does seem like sports and activities are are back. It does feel like most families I know their kid is enrolled in something, even if that something is modified in some ways. Um, I live in an area that just has really high mask adoption and high vaccine rates. It feels like people want to get as back to normal as possible, but are mostly okay with, with modifications. Like that just feels like the kind of the culture that I'm in. And obviously I can't speak for everyone, but last fall, kids activities were very limited or non-existent. And this fall, it feels like, okay, the kids need to be on soccer teams. They need to be doing stuff. How can we do this safely and follow the rules? Um, and so that's just my, I don't know, I guess my, like my observation of the families around us, it feels like people are eager to get their kids enrolled and stuff, but we live in an area where if you're indoors at all, everyone's masked, kids, adults, vaccinated, un- unvaccinated as, as of this recording, masking indoors is just it's the rule and it's what everybody does regardless of age or status. And that, um, and then outdoors, um, mostly kids, even unvaccinated kids mostly are unmasked if they're running around. And that's, that's a difference from last year. Um, and I think then it depends on the activity. So we're going to get into some specific activities that my kids are in. Some are outside and some have moved inside. Um, but that's kind of the landscape here. How about you? So up until just yesterday, this was kind of a question mark in my mind because certain districts, including mine, had decided to bring back the mask mandate at least until numbers get lower. Um, I think that I think I'm not sure if this is like a, a CDC related recommended thing or if this is individual, but I think it was like 21 days. Like there would have to be 21 days since the beginning of like low transmission or something. Okay. Like mm-hmm. so, we have to get to a certain point and then it has to stay like that for 21 consecutive days before we would be unmasked. But a lot of other local schools weren't doing that. And so I was like, how is this going to work with sports and stuff? But just like yesterday or the day before the health department came out and said, nope, everybody has to do it. So that actually removes a lot of question marks, which I think is kind of a relief for people just like, okay, so this is just how it is. Um, So what I'm not a hundred percent sure of is if that's going to be related to outdoor events. Mm-hmm. Last year, I know that everything was masked, including outdoor sports. And then there was a lot of talk about whether that was really helpful or necessary. But now with Delta, maybe that's changed things. So um, I guess all I know is I don't know anyone who's personally who's keeping their kids out of activities this year, but I expect that there's still going to be quite a lot of modifications yeah. um, being made. The other thing is I know hardly anyone whose kids are going to school virtual this year, like hardly, I, I mean, honestly, I can't even think of one off the top of mm-hmm. my head. I'm sure that they exist. I think I heard that the middle school has like six kids virtual this year. Mm-hmm. And it was like a hundred last year, which really affected things like, um, arts and, yeah. um, an orchestra. Like Clara started off, um, 
virtual, which meant she was going to join an orchestra in sixth grade and didn't. And then we'll talk about this later, but had thought she couldn't this year and, and she's going to, which is great. But like, it's just, it's so widespread. Like the ripple effect is crazy. Mm-hmm. If you think about mm-hmm. how much like, I was talking to Will, like how a sports team would be different this year because like all the kids who would have been coming up last year, but didn't get to play or there was like widespread quarantines or whatever, yeah. like they didn't get the skills they would otherwise have had. So some teams might be really benefited by that. And some who really needed that year of practice or whatever, really like really yeah. brought down. So it'll just be, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. Another thing I have noticed just locally here is it felt like when when things started to return with lots of modifications, outdoor and distance and mask and this and that, all the, um, especially the sports and activities organizations, I'm not talking so much about school, but a little bit about school, all the fun extra stuff, like maybe there's normally a team potluck or like an end of year concert or whatever, like the the, the icing on the cake would have been. None of that was around last year. Um, it was if the very most they could do was say, okay, we're going to figure out how to safely do a couple practices and a game, but we're not going to travel. We're not going to do a tournament. We're not going to da, 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 da. And this year I am seeing more return of like, we're going to have a, like a dance company picnic and you still, you still bring your own food and we're still doing masks, but we're going to have it and we're allowed. And I don't know if that state of California was so restrictive on social gatherings and large groups. And now um, it, it's a little less restrictive about that kind of social mm-hmm. gathering or if people have just they've just they have the bandwidth now to think about the extras. But that mostly makes me really happy, actually. Like it, it was like things got brought back in the most skeleton form. School got brought back in the mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. like bare bones form and then activities. And so um, I know we're not in like a great place. I'm not trying to like, you know, spit shine this too much, but it does make me happy to see that people are making an effort for some of the things that feel like fun or extra or just for just for the connection and the community and the fun part. And I'm seeing that return. So, yeah. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. 
Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of our place's products are made without PFAS, also known as forever chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, our place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Megan, I'm curious about how you felt about activities, and this could include anything, swim lessons, sports, gymnastics, dance. Um, when your kids were really little. And in fact, think back to when maybe you had babies and toddlers and you were kind of looking at what other moms were doing or what was available in your town. And how did you think your kids would first be introduced to organized activities? And then is that how it in fact played out? So I think I thought we would be a lot busier or like I would want to be a lot busier than we actually wound up being or, or I was able to tolerate. Um, I think I definitely like as a very new mom had this idea that being a mom, like being a good mom equaled running your kids around to a lot of different things and making them super well-rounded and and enrolling them in lots of activities. And it wasn't until maybe, you know, Isaac came along and we weren't doing like organized activities, but we were doing like mommy and me and reading time at the library and all those things that um, you do. And I think it took me until like, maybe even until William to realize that like so much of that is for mom and yes. not really necessary for babies and toddlers. Like it's great. It's there's nothing wrong with it, but like if it's often because we want the, like we want the interaction out in the world, we want to be out doing stuff and we have this baby. So it just makes sense to go to baby, like organized baby and toddler activities. And um, then we get to meet other moms and we get to do these other things, right? We get to like leave yeah. the house and the more kids I added, the, my, the more my tolerance for that stuff went down. Plus I got busier in my house. I was writing. Um, mm-hmm. I was starting my career that way. And so my tolerance went way down. And I think my first attempt at an organized activity may have also been a bit of a rude awakening. And that was mm-hmm. T-ball. Um, it was, I mean, yes, the uniforms are cute. The kids look so adorable in their photos. They're sitting out there holding a bat. It's so cute. But like, both Jacob and Isaac would just lay flat on their backs in the outfield and like play with bugs and the grass and, you know, be sitting there tying their shoes while a ball is like falling on their heads. It was just like, they could not have been less interested. And I know that that's so common. It's like a, it's like a meme practically, Mm -hmm. but I just had expectations. Um, then we tried like family karate. It was like sibling karate or something. And it was like at a community center, Isaac got us kicked out. (laughs) This is when he was probably three or four, still very wild child. So we tried a few things and like nothing really, um, it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And so after that, it was just a little more sporadic. Like the kids all separately 
played, except for Clara, I think, ended up playing basketball, which was like Saturday mornings at nine. They all did tennis in the summer, um, which was like basically because it was free and it was like an hour a day. They'd get to go play tennis and get outside and do stuff. A couple of them did theater. They all did like art classes, but it was never, it didn't feel like a mission anymore. It was more like, hey, we've got some time. What's something that might be interesting? Let's sign up for this thing because because it just happens that we can and the kids are interested, but like yeah. the, the intensity went out of yes. it. Um, and so didn't play out the way I thought. How about you? Yeah. Well, like many things, I mean, does anything play out the way we thought when we were bright eyed new <laughs> moms or bleary eyed new moms? Yeah. I mean, when I think of this, it's very different with the first kid versus the rest. And with the first kid, I really honestly mostly thought about the cute outfits. I know that sounds so shallow, but that's what I had seen. Like, how cute the pictures were of like a dance recital or a little ballet dress or soccer uniform. And I, and then like reality sinks in and my first child um, was afraid of everything, but particularly new experiences and, and uh, uh, figures of authority that weren't mom and dad. We had did a whole episode where you can go revisit Isaac as a three and four year old and Allegra as a three and four year old. Cause we talked about them. Um, so that wasn't fun because she was crying or not enjoying whatever I was doing. And then I had more babies So like what I thought was going to be like these really cute photo ops and maybe the grandparents coming to watch a soccer game and just it felt like a rite of passage, I think, that I was really looking forward to. And then I just it wasn't very fun for me, for our circumstances. And that didn't mean we didn't try, but it quickly lost the um, the romance that I had built up around it. Um, Still, of course, those pictures are really cute. I have some four year old (laughs) dance recital pictures that are so stinking cute. Probably it was worth it was worth whatever we went through. Um, I think I also just thought the stakes were higher. Like I thought if I was picking a dance studio, I was picking the dance studio that we were going to (laughs) be at for the rest of our lives because I had been a really committed dancer or like if we were doing soccer, that was going to be the sport. And now looking back, like that's so naive, right? Like it's just an eight week AYSO thing, or it's just like a semester of dance. And so I think quickly after the first kid, I realized like you can opt in and out. You can hop studios from one to the other. Like the intense, like you said, the intensity is just not what it seems like when you're first starting out. So that was another awakening. Yeah, totally. So This question is more about you as a mom and your family culture as time moved on. Did you learn anything about what you, how you as a mom wanted to be in this sports and activities world or what was important in your family culture? And I, I can go first on this. I learned that I was surrounded by quite a few families who had just a way bigger tolerance for driving around all afternoon sitting in waiting areas while a kid did a 45 minute activity because it was a 20 minute drive and it didn't make sense to leave or you couldn't drop them off, you know, eating dinner in the car or like on the go. And and honestly, the people I was surrounded with seemed to be genuinely happy and chill about doing life like this. So it was not about judging what they were doing. It was just about realizing that was not for me. And the hardest thing of that, that whole world that I was seeing was keeping a toddler or a preschooler busy while the older one was doing whatever they were doing. And I just, I never figured out how other people were, were just like chill about it all. It was very stressful to me. I, I didn't enjoy handing over a phone or an iPad to a two-year-old. It didn't feel right for our family. And yet that's, that's what I saw a lot of people doing. And I think what it came down to because I am not opposed to handing over an iPad when I need it or somebody needs it. But I think the reason it didn't feel right to me 
was like more of a cost benefit thing. I didn't feel like what the seven or eight year old was gaining out of martial arts or dance or whatever baseball was worth the disruption to the rest of our family culture. It, so it, it had to wait until either everyone was old enough or the thing that we were doing was really worth it enough that we were going to miss dinner or like eat at the drive through or do these other things that didn't feel consistent with our kind of family culture. So that was that was what I learned is I was just different than a lot of the families I was around. And anytime you go through that, I think it's like a little bit, you know, a little bit of a realization. Um, yeah. On the flip side, I actually had like a positive realization where I would not have thought I would have enjoyed being a team sport parent. And I didn't do it for very long because I don't have kids super into team sports. But I did find that being on the sidelines or in the outfield of a baseball field or a soccer field was a lot easier when it came to that toddler or preschooler. We were outside. The weather was nice. Usually we could bring a picnic or run around at the playground. So I actually ended up enjoying like soccer and t-ball more than I thought I would because I, I, don't, I don't think of myself as a super sporty mom. Um, and it was a great conduit to new friends when we were new in town. So that was more of like, I didn't think that would be so fun. And that actually ended up being a really good thing for our family in those years. Well, it's funny because in so many ways, like I do think we have so many differences, Sarah, but this is one where I think um, we're quite similar. And I think what I learned is that I don't really like anything enough to let it eat up my whole life um, mm -hmm. or by, you know, by extension, my young kids' lives. I would have said at one point in my life, like in high school, I did genuinely love theater enough that I, I wanted it to be my whole life. But that was a pretty short-lived window. And even by the time I was getting into my 20s, like if I would get to do a show, and part of that's because I had kids, but like, I just want to get in and get out. I want to get in, get the job done and get out. I don't mm -hmm. want to hang out. And like, there are families I know, um, who, who, whatever their event is, like it's a traveling sports team. It's, um, their children's theater, whatever it is, or like community theater. Like that's what they do. Like the whole family goes to the theater and they hang out there all day and they, you know, everyone gets involved in some part of it. And I think that's awesome. And at one point in my life, I thought maybe I would want that but I don't think I like any of those things enough compared mm -hmm. to how much I like to be home, just mm -hmm. enjoying my family at home. Like I don't, or like with the people I chose yeah. to hang out with, which would be like close family and friends. So I, there just was never anything I loved enough. And, um, you know, to your point about like people having the high tolerance for sitting around eating in the car, all of those things. Yeah. Like I know families who basically like I have some very good friends who are like, you know, during football season, like they live that and they're very rarely home and they aren't really available to do stuff that they would be otherwise. And like their whole unit is like on site, you know, mm -hmm. like doing this thing. And I just, there just wasn't anything that any of my kids got into that I was that interested in or that I even wanted to push them mm -hmm. to being interested in. So um, I did really well with like things where it was like a Saturday morning event activity for like an hour or two where I would drop the kid off and go sit in a coffee shop mm -hmm. and do my thing or even sit and watch sometimes, you know, where it really fit in well around time. I was happy to free up and I had a much harder time with weeknights, mm -hmm. um, entire weekends. Like I really wanted my kids to be available for me on the weekends so that we could travel or 
go do stuff together. So yeah, I, I'm kind of agreeing with what you're saying. And it's sort of like the same and a little bit different. Yeah. Just yeah. like there just wasn't anything that was that great <laughs> that I yeah. loved that much or that they, that they loved that much, frankly. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I'm curious how much of your own childhood experiences you bring to how you've parented through sports and activities. So like if there was something you loved, have you wanted your kids to love it or vice versa? Um, or even the way, like how, how much time and how much passion was devoted. So how, how much do you think your growing up influences the way you are in this way? I mean, I think 150%. So <laughs> I would say both and both counts. So first of all, just with the, the way the family culture was around activities, definitely our activities when I was growing up were secondary to family life. And I remember my dad being really bent out of shape because like, I was told I couldn't miss a game um, to go to a family birthday party. I think it was like maybe my grandma's like 90th birthday party or something like that. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like to him, it just did not compute. He's like, it's cheerleading. Like mm -hmm. what? You know, like, no, this is like your grandmother. Of course, we're going to her birthday party. And I felt so torn because at my heart, I believed my grandma's birthday party was more important. But then the other girls on the squad really thought that the game was more important. And so did my coach. And so it was like, you know, that I think that tension is very normal. And I actually think it's a really healthy thing for kids to work through. But mm -hmm. I remember like just really trying to grapple with that. And I think that's come forward. And, you know, I was definitely always encouraged to do activities and I was definitely encouraged to um, try new things and play sports and, and perform and all those things. But like the assumption was always, but this, all their stuff comes first. And like, mm -hmm. this is not going to take over your life. It would never have occurred to me to even ask to sign up for something that would take up like, you know, an entire, like multiple entire weekends or to expect my parents to go like hang out in a hotel while mm -hmm. I did something. Mm -hmm. I just, it would never have happened ever. Like, I just can't even imagine a world in which that would have happened unless I was like freakishly good at something. And I guess was headed for the Olympics or something like that. Yeah. Like maybe <laughs> then, but otherwise no way. So, um, that culture definitely impacted me. And then I guess, yeah, there were things I liked better than other things. I played little league baseball for a couple seasons as a kid. I kind of always wanted my kids to play baseball because I like baseball. Um, I'm kind of bummed that none of my kids really, except for Will, have loved performance, particularly Clara. I really wanted her to want to get into acting and like dance and choir. And none of my kids have actually wanted to do choir. It's just like, oh, you know, it's fine. Yeah. I don't. I haven't pushed any of them towards things they don't want to do, but sometimes I just want to be like, I mean, Clara has a fantastic voice. Like she's got a beautiful little voice, but she's kind of shy. Yeah. And has just never really wanted to be someone singing out and even makes, she makes jokes about it. So maybe she'll get over it in high school. Yeah. Um, but I just like, Oh, I do kind of wish, I don't know, you know, there's just times I kind of wish that like they were all into the things that I was really into, but yeah, I know that's not how it always works. How about you? Yeah. Well, sometimes I have almost the opposite. I mean, I I was really only into dance after the age of about 10. I did a little bit of soccer, very little bit, and I played the piano. But from 10 on, I only had one thing and I was into it um, really seriously. Although my parents were definitely like at arm's length, like they and that's something I think I would like to emulate for my kids. Like it was my thing and my commitment. They mm -hmm. for sure supported financially and with rides, but like they weren't intimately involved in like what I was working on or what cat, like how I got cast in a show or like they were yeah. supportive for the big moments. But, um, 
But you got not, to work out the details of yes. the, the journey. You worked the journey yes. out on your own. Yes. yes. Me too. And Absolutely. I, w- I would like to um, continue that because I think there's lots of opportunities for parents to feel really involved in their kids' activities, but I don't think you have to be that involved to be supportive. I, I think those are two kind of different things, I guess. And I'm still trying to work yeah. out what that means. But in terms of like being there for every single game or practice versus like being there for the big moments that matter and almost letting like letting parental enthusiasm follow or match the kids. Like I can't care about something yep. more than my kid does. And, <laughs> yeah, yes. and so far my kids, my kids have cared medium to low about stuff. And so even though right. I have, I have a personality that can go all in. I really don't have any interest in going all in on something that my kid isn't super into. So, right. um, yeah. I, I guess from a dance perspective, what I was going to say is I have kind of actively wished that my kids do not end up in dance. And it, part of it is because not that I had a negative experience, I had a really positive experience, but I know a little too much to be like a little more than enough to be dangerous. And I don't really, mm-hmm. I, I have found myself being fairly critical of diff- the way different studios are run, the way teachers are. And that's not fun. I'd rather just, I'd rather know nothing and be like, cool, this sounds like a fun activity. Like it's not, it's not my place to be critical and I don't want to be, but when I know so much, it's hard, it's hard not to be. So we have dabbled yeah. in dance and I'll, a little later, I'll talk about Allegra's dancing now as a beginner. Cause she didn't really dance as a kid and I'm, I can get behind that, but I have never wanted I've never wanted kids to follow in my footsteps. And I've, I often get asked that and I'm like, no, I'd much rather they find something that I know nothing about so that I can keep that kind of like non-attached, like neutral support, support without being over-invested. Um, so I guess that's, that's what, what springs from my memory. And, you know, as the oldest of three, where the other siblings were also busy, like my mom had just enough time to drive me to and from, and that was great. It allowed me to like kind of figure out what I loved and what I wanted without, I don't remember feeling either pressured or unpressured either way. And I, I would like to right. continue that. Yeah. I actually think that's really healthy. And Sarah, I know we did a, um, a conversation or an episode, I don't know, a year, two, three, who knows ago how long it was, but something about nurturing kids' independence. And yeah. the lesson I kind of learned from, you know, today's parenting culture being so different from what we grew up with me having to actually go to coaches and say, please stop emailing me the, the, mm-hmm. the schedule. Like my high schooler needs to handle his own practice schedule. I don't want to know it. Like, I don't want to have to think, I don't want to have that piece of data added to my yep. immense stack of things to keep track of when he's 15 years old, can get himself to practice. Yeah. And all I need to know is, you know, like, why, you know, what should I show up for, which is not practice. And I I felt that way about a lot of sports. Um, and I, and I have found that sometimes coaches, typically the older ones were great about that. And we're like, yeah, great. Okay. I'll, I'll let him know instead. And some coaches seem a little bewildered by it or almost like don't want to participate in the way, like they don't want me to, to not participate, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I want to not participate. And so that's been a little bit challenging, but I still set that boundary because I think that's like one little thing I can do to say, this isn't my thing. This is your thing. And that's great. I'll be, I'll buy, I'm going to, you know, this year Will's doing football. He brought me all the stuff. He was like, this is what I need you to sign. I am happy to do that. I pay the participation fee, got him all the stuff he needs, but I don't want to be involved other than that. Yeah. Until I come cheer him on. Totally. Yeah. 
Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash mom hour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right. So, Megan, for those who maybe are just getting to know you, you have five children total, but two are adults and out of the house. So of the of the remaining um, minors in your house, do you want to just go through everybody, how old they are this fall and what what they're signed up for? Yeah. So Will is um, 17. He's a senior. He is my most active and that's not unusual for him. He's always very self-motivated and like a joiner. He's just someone who likes to join things. Um, he decided to play football this year. He is a senior oh and gosh. has never played football before. And, you know, he's like 6'3 now. So maybe he just decided it's a, like a good time. I, I don't know. Maybe it's one of those teams where like, we're in a fairly competitive area for, for, um, football and our team is good, but like anybody can join the team. You don't have to try out to get on. And so he might never play. I don't know. He's actually at his first game right now. Um, it's an away game. So I, I'm going to wait until he has a home game because this one's like two hours away to go, but, and I have no idea. He might sit the bench the entire time. I really have no idea. Um, but I just think that took some, you know, that took some cojones and I was pretty proud of him for that. He will be swimming later as soon as football's over, I think is when swim training starts. He started swimming in 10th grade. So again, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about this later, but like most kids who become competitive swimmers start when they're like six or younger. Mm -hmm. He knew how to not drown 
but I wouldn't say he could swim before 10th yeah. grade. And so it took a lot of him being the last person mm-hmm. in, uh, in the, in the meets and things like that. But, and then he still has a band. I know that's not an organized activity in school, but, um, that does take up a lot of his time. Yeah. He plays with different people and it's not the same. It's not the Hawaiian roles anymore, but like he, <laughs> he, his old band, but, but he definitely, that's still a big part of his life. Um, other than that, I don't think he has any act, uh, any, um, I mean, like there's, there's always like little surprise things. Like he'll come home and be like, Hey, I'm in the movie club. I'm like, Oh, you are. Okay. What's that? <laughs> oh, we watch movies and talk about them. Okay. So high school has a lot of that kind of thing. Like I remember yeah. Jacob coming home his junior year and saying he'd started a four square team oh and it had turned into like 35 kids showing up to play four square every day. And I was like, wait, so is this an official school team? He's like, well, we're working to get, you know, we're, we're lobbying to get it made a club. I'm like, okay. So, and it was like a flash in the pan. So, um, Owen right now is a pain in my butt and he's doing nothing. Um, <laughs> I'm just being really honest. Please. He's 15. 15 is a hard age. Um, He's always been one of those kids who dabbles in lots of different things and is good at basically anything he tries. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been everything from him for him from flipping bottles. Remember when bottle flipping was uh-huh. a thing? And then um, um, yo-yo. I remember yo-yo. That. Yeah, he got really good at yo-yoing. Um, he's been good at hacky sacking. He ran for a few years and was good at that. And right now he's all in on playing video games, which I am trying to have levity and a sense of perspective around. I'm just Mm going to, that's what I'm going to say. He's very good. Like he's so good that like grown men want him to play with them and be on their teams. And so that's great for him. And I know he's having the time of his life and I'm trying to figure out how to like, it's not just like a mindless pursuit for him. It's not something right. where he's staring at a screen, like checked right. out. He's really good. And he's like, it's really, his passion. he's strategic and logical and he does it really, really well. At the same time, I'm like, could you get up and move your body? And you're so pasty. And so anyway, a little yeah. bit of point of tension mm-hmm. with him right now, but no, I don't believe he has any sports lined up for the fall. Um, Clara joined the orchestra and is going to be playing the stand-up bass. I am so excited. Oh about God. her playing the stand-up bass. I can't even tell you. I think it's going to be the cutest. And it's so cool. You know, it's yeah. just like a really cool instrument to play. Um, she is a big-time artist. And so I was thinking, you know, if there's... She didn't really get to do clubs in middle school last year because a lot of them were suspended. But I do believe there is an art club in that she can join in seventh grade. So I'm going to nudge her toward that. But it's not the... Mm-hmm. Like in our school, at least, the clubs, you don't join them before school starts. You, you right. wait you find out about them, then you join them during the first week or two. So right, that's where we're at. How about you? Nice. Okay. Well, Allegra is 13 and in eighth grade and she back in late March of last school year. So the COVID school year, although by spring things were looking kind of optimistic here and she decided she wanted to take dance. And she kept telling me, that she had a friend at school who was in dance. And I, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you guys are turning 13. Like this friend has probably been dancing since she was five. Like you're not going to be in her same class or level. And she finally said, mom, no, Stella is also a beginner. Like she's in a beginning teen jazz class. And I was like, okay, really? Like it honestly, that was like my um, preconception of starting dance as a teenager was like, okay, well, you can do it, but that's going to be hard because so many kids have been doing it forever. Well, it turns out her studio has, it's almost all teenagers. So they don't churn through a lot of little tiny 
you know, tights and a leotard, three and four year olds. Um, it's more tween and teen. And there are a lot of opportunities to start as a beginner, which I thought was awesome. So she she started in jazz last year, learned the choreography, performed in a, in the spring concert. She's literally had not really even taken any technique because by the time she joined, they were just working on the dance every week. Like they were really right. just in rehearsal. And in my mind, again, I'm like, God, like you've never even, you don't even know technique and you're like performing. Like, I don't want you to get hurt anyway. Um, so now this fall, she is properly enrolled in teen ballet, teen jazz and teen hip hop all at a beginning level. And she's loving it. And I just think it's really cool that there is, that there isn't the stigma that you have, you know, you didn't start when you were six years old. So I think that's pretty awesome. She is also going to do a play through a theater group locally but that hasn't started yet. So she has just been to the general audition and I don't know how, I don't think it's super selective, but they haven't auditioned for parts. They haven't done callbacks and it's going to be Matilda. I don't know if you know anything about the oh, musical Matilda, bit. but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her school does a lot of these very cool outdoor adventures. So I would say it's not, it's not a sport, but through her school, she ends up doing a lot of like mountain biking and camping, which is really awesome. And it's also something we would not be doing like, electively at home, either she or I, because we're just not super outdoorsy. So I'm, it's really cool that she's getting it through school. Um, Reed is 11 and he is in martial arts. He was a ta- Taekwondo black belt before the pandemic in the before times. And then he started over in a new martial art that's called Hapkido, which is not very well known, but it has a lot of similarities. I know, which every time I say it, it sounds made up and fake. And I almost thought maybe it was like this, like this martial arts place just made up their own, but it's not, there is there. It's a, it's a lesser. Well, at some point they're all made up, right? Sure. Like everything has to be made up to become a real thing. Exactly. I just meant like nobody else, like with, with Taekwondo, there's like international organizations and like a lot of standards. Um, and same with karate and, um, but no, I think this is just a lesser known one. He's doing a little bit of golf just a few weeks, um, but loving it. And he plays the piano and the electric bass. And we've been doing those lessons virtually since the pandemic. And I I would never go back. Actually, we love our teacher and it's all it's on Zoom. And that one feels like it doesn't even feel like pandemic Zoom. It feels like, oh, this is definitely the way I would do this because he's just home like in the other room playing the piano and we don't have to go anywhere. So that's great. Um, If that all sounds like a lot, then you should know that my third child is doing nothing and really has never done anything. Her favorite activity is to be attached to me. I was going to say her favorite activity is mom. Mom. Um, Or, yeah, exactly. Mom or like play dates. She's very social. She would like to be busy. She's constantly busy, but she has not found a activity that she liked. We She dabbled in a little bit of like this very informal pickup soccer thing last spring that was great for me because I made friends on the sideline, but she doesn't love soccer. Um, I made her do a few swim lessons this summer because I want my kids to be ocean safe and they're not quite yet, but that was, she didn't like that. She doesn't like anything. And I'm now at the point where I'm like, well, okay. So does she have you, to, I don't know. Like she doesn't <laughs> yeah. really school is enough yeah. and, and we're at a great school. She gets some music in school and stuff like that. So maybe not, maybe she'll do nothing. I, th- I do think she would also like theater and acting. But the one that Allegra is doing is, again, just for teenagers. So I'd have to find something else and then I'd have to drive to it. So here we go. Herein lies the question. Let me ask you this. In your kids, and I know your kids go to a couple different kinds of schools, um, elementary and middle school, what kind of, I don't know if you call them specials there, but what kind yeah. of like 
not extracurriculars, but like non-academic activities are part of the curriculum. Well, we've been at, I'll just speak to the elementary schools um, because we've been at a public charter and a public elementary school in two different cities and they've had music and art, different amounts, um, but, but dedicated specials. So they have had music and art at school. Drama has been pretty low and that's a bummer because I think school plays are so fun. Drama at our old school was left up to the teachers. So in like third, fourth, fifth grade, if the teacher was really like into that, they would put on a play, but it was, it wasn't, there wasn't any real drama at school, but visual art and music. And then there was a little bit of band opportunity at our old school. And there is a little bit of that at this school. So I think we're, I I know we're very fortunate as, as it goes. Middle school, Allegra is at a private middle school and it's just, it's just sort of a different model. Um, I don't know what the public junior highs are getting here. When I was there, you chose, I think you could choose band, orchestra, or drama. And I chose drama, but there was a little bit in at the junior high, not a lot. Okay. Yeah. Here, the elementary school kids rotate, you know, teachers rotate through to do art, um, music, and then there's like a performance every year, like the elementary school kids put on a performance and it's always the same for that grade. So I got to see all of my kids do mm-hmm. the same performances, you know, like in the third grade, they're all do the nutcracker. So that's kind of drama, but not really. It's, it's yeah. like the music teacher teachers a dramatic thing. Right. Um, in gym. So they, they have PE, which yes. is considered a special and they actually learn kind of a lot of different sports and things in PE. So it's kind of cool. And I'm thinking for, that might be it in elementary and then in middle school, um, it's interesting because they rotate through. So like Claire, you, you can choose between band or orchestra, um, choir and gym. And then they also rotate through art industrial tech. Okay. That's one of them. So like woodwork, they don't call it wood shop anymore, but it's basically wood shop and other metal work mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think there's one other, maybe it's health. Yeah, so, that's kind of what so, we did in yeah. junior high, but even less. I don't think choir was, I don't think choir was an option. And I don't, I think art was an elective, but I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah, yeah that sounds like that's I great. Think, yeah, they do. And then in high school, it's all electives. And that's when right. things get a lot more specialized and narrowed down. So. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, well, we've touched on this already, so we can probably be brief, but I did think it would be interesting to look at with our kids at these ages, did the pandemic stop, start or reset anything that your, you know, activities, your family had going on and did it change at all? Um, and for me, we moved and I mentioned that at the beginning. So literally the pandemic happened and then we moved. So we were starting fresh and that was actually really good because we didn't do anything. And I wasn't forced to be like, okay, let's do dance on zoom. Like we just, we had quit everything with the move and we only re-entered very slowly. Um, and I think that was kind of a blessing if we'd stayed, I guess we would have kept, we probably would have done some virtual Taekwondo, I guess. And like tried to figure out some other things. But, um, so that was, that was how it changed for us. How about you? Um, well, it's kind of one thing that's like, hard about the pandemic. <laughs> but sometimes like the understatement of the year, right? I'm just going to name the one thing that's been hard about the pandemic, Sarah. But one of the things that's really tricky is that it's encompassed now a year and a half or so. Right. So it's really difficult to know what would have been different anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like my kids are all very different than they were in the spring of 2020. 
how much of that is pandemic and how much of that is just because they got older and they went through a different phase and now they're in a different stage of their lives. So um, for Owen, it does seem like it does seem to have killed the desire to do any extracurriculars, but like how big was that desire anyway? And like, would he have found this other passion on his own, even if he was going to school every day? Um, Clara definitely like in some ways is a totally different, like much more confident. She's really turned into a big, like teenage, like not, she's not a teenager yet, but you know what I mean? She's seriously an adolescent now. And that all happened during the pandemic and Uh all that awkwardness and all that change happened. And I don't know how much of like how it changed what she would have wanted to do was more, you know, were more things available to her last year? Would she have wanted to do activities? I kind of think not. I think she would have sat the year out. Uh I really think last year going into sixth grade, she wanted to observe and not, Mm -hmm. um, and still had a lot of awkwardness and I don't think she wanted to be a big part of it. So it's in some ways kind of cool because she kind of got like the excuse of not even having the option mm-hmm. and got to kind of just ride out some of the her transitional year. Um, with Will, I would say having activities kind of closed off to him for a few months made him come back with a vengeance and he just yeah. wanted to sign up for everything. So yeah. he's now like, he's so busy and he, he really thrives having like a really active social life. He's playing, you know, sport and working and it seems to be just his cup of tea. So he kind of came into himself too, but like he probably would have anyway. So it's really hard to say, I feel like it's, we've talked about this before, but the pandemic is almost like a magnifying glass. Like whatever Uh would have been happening anyway, it's now just like so intensified. Um, Yeah. And the kids' reactions to things like got intensified too. Yeah. And I think it will be interesting from the parenting perspective. I mean being at home and not having a lot of driving commitments at all to now our fall activities are in the evenings and I will be driving quite a bit. And it's only two of the three kids. The third kid has nothing and it's still quite a bit. And I think that will be an adjustment for me. And I think being, you know, having that year and a half without that driving probably had some cool sides to it in terms of like our dinner routine and our family. But of course the kids were very ready to, you know, get back out there as well. Um, and I also think that for a lot of people, the ability to do things virtually, I'm thinking of all the YouTube art that Allegra did and all the drawing tutorials and reads virtual music lessons and things like that. I mean, I, I do think that we now know that some of this is possible, like virtually and long distance, and maybe that will have some lasting positive effects too. If you have a kid who really wants to specialize in something and you can find a teacher or find a program that isn't that you don't have to drive to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of all the benefits to that as well as obviously right. the hard, hard stuff we went through. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I want to spend some time talking about specifically your perspective on older kids and teenagers and wondering what has surprised you about the way they have moved in and out of their activities and, and specifically to give our listeners of really little kids, almost a longer line of sight for how this can work, that it isn't just you, you pick soccer when you're five and that's what you do till you go off to college on a scholarship. (laughs) Right. Well, Sarah, before I like dive into kind of like the bigger picture that I've learned, I just want to, I hadn't really thought about it until you started talking about Violet, not wanting to really do anything. Right. Yeah. And then 
thinking about how packed the average kid's school day is and really how many options and, and opportunities there are for kids in a typical school, in a typical school day to do so much. And I just think that that is something I didn't think about when I had really little kids. It didn't occur to me that I didn't have to do it all if they're going to school. Um, and that's, I'm talking to people who are going to be sending their kids to schools that have options like art and um, music and language and like things that aren't necessarily falling within the, you know, read and writing and arithmetic yeah. that they would be learning anyway. Like there's so much happening. And I think it's really normal for kids to be tired when they get home and done with like mm-hmm. anything that it requires them to follow rules, cooperate with other people, not yes. be around mom. You know, yes. all of those things are draining on kids and they're like amazingly enriching. So you can feel really good about the fact that they're, they're getting enrichment, even if you're not the one driving them someplace or mm-hmm. paying to sign them up for something, but it's also draining. And so I think we can give them a lot of leeway for the fact that like, wow, they just spent a whole day in school doing all these things. Maybe they don't actually need to have a sport or a dance yeah. or an activity to go to. So that's just like a nod to yeah. what you said about Violet and made me think about it. Um, the other thing is I know I live in an area where some of the, the activities around here are competitive. And I, I know my area compared to like more wealthy and affluent areas is like so small compared to what the, the competitive looks like competitiveness looks like in other areas. So I would just say I've been pleasantly surprised to see my kids turn on its head the idea that if your kids don't start a certain sport or activity by the time they're four or six or eight, then they can never do it. Um, it's probably true that they'll never get a, schol- a college scholarship for it. Like that right. might be true. But I've had several kids join sports late, very late, or jump into activities they had no idea what they were doing pretty late, like 13, mm-hmm. 14, 15, 16. And enjoy it. Like, were they good? I don't know. Are they going to do it later? Who cares? Like, that's not what they were in it for. They were in it to try it out. And it took a lot of confidence for them to be able to do that. And I'm really impressed. So Jacob also joined the swim team when he was in 10th grade. So I had two Mm -hmm. kids join the swim team in 10th grade. And that's one of those that has a reputation for being like, you know, kind of like what they say about up here about ice hockey. Like, oh, you put kids on skates as soon as they can stand up. Right. Yes, but just because your kid isn't the one that got on skates as soon as they could stand up doesn't mean like they can never try. And yeah. so I guess I would just say for me, anything is an option. And if my kids came to me tomorrow and said, I really want to try this thing that most kids have been doing for 10 years and they've never tried before, I would still say, okay, give it a try. I mean, I would definitely set their expectations and be like, you know, that's going to be really hard. It's going to be a lot of practice and you're going to have a lot of catching up to do. And if they're like, yeah, 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 then. Okay. And mm-hmm. my kids who have done stuff like that have really enjoyed themselves. I mean, Will joining the football team in his senior year, what, hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like he's like trolling the whole program, which, but he's really trying hard and he likes it for the workout and he yeah. likes it for the camaraderie and he'll be thrilled if he gets to play. Cool. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to be his whole life for him to try it for a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that, I guess, I'm, it almost feels like it kind of, validates what I always thought should be the case, but was told wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to know that like, it can be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, I don't have as much history with the older kids. Cause I would say my older two are just kind of getting into this 
this phase where they're getting more, more opportunities and, you know, more, just we're doing more. Um, but one thing I would say, having lived in places where there are a lot of options and potentially a lot of pressure to do all the things, um, is just remember that because your child swears up and down that they want to do this thing, um, they don't always, they don't always have the whole picture. Um, I think we talked about this when we talked about maybe it was birthday parties or something like kids don't know what's, what's involved in joining a soccer team or doing a dance recital. And you know, your kid and you know, your family culture. And I've just heard so many well-meaning parents over the years say, I'm not pushing her. I'm not pushing her. She wants to train at gymnastics six hours a day, six days a week. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but she doesn't know, like she doesn't have the larger implication. She might she want doesn't to know she what that might even means. love it, but she doesn't know right. what that means. So I always want to end with empowering you to make the decision that's right for your family, even if it goes against the grain of your community. And even if it disappoints your child, um, because they don't have the larger context and there may be a shorter term or simpler or less expensive way for them to try out that thing. Um, and often I think we get excited because they're excited and we bring our, our background as kids, right? Maybe we didn't get to do gymnastics and we always wanted to, or maybe we did it and we're so excited they want to try. Um, and I guess I would just give the long haul message here that like, you can come in and out of these things. And um, like you said, Megan, even as teenagers, your kids may be picking up new things, um, quitting things that you thought they were going to stick with forever. Um, So that that kind of supportive non-attachment or that loving non-attachment is has felt like the best place for me to land. And one other thing I'll add about the teenagers or the, the tweens and teens, I'm pleasantly surprised at how little I am involved with the older two and their activities. And that, again, going back to like how I grew up, that is really my comfort level. I don't I don't really feel the need to like help sew costumes or like be on the parent committee or like I know myself and I know my bandwidth. And if I have to choose between like where the resources go, there's just there's finite resources in a family. It might be financial. It might be time. It might be a combination but um, let's not pretend there are infinite resources is my message. There we go. Yeah. And I, I guess I just want to wrap this up by, um, by just saying that whatever experience, like we both seem to come from a background where our families were pretty hands off about our activities. And that obviously colors how we feel. And also neither one of us really wants to be super into our kids' activities. And so for me, it would have been really hard if my expectation that my kids' uh, activities didn't take over my life. like. How do I rephrase this? If one of my kids had been really, really, really amazingly talented at something, it would have been a huge adjustment for me to give up what I would have needed to give up to support that. And so I could also see it flipping around and like wishing that your kid was more interested or had more aptitude for something and they just don't. Yes. And that also being disappointing. So just throwing out there that like our experiences are our own and absolutely. um, and, and, you know, maybe someone listening to this with a two-year-old who's right now doing like backflips off the bed, they might be an Olympian and at some point, and that means you might have to eat in your car sometimes. Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out, Megan. And obviously we don't know the benefits and the, like the family bonding and the, the positives. I know families who've gotten to travel a lot and stay in really cool places because of dance competitions or soccer tournaments. So 
we can't speak to the positives. There's positives and potential drawbacks at both extremes. And we haven't experienced the positives of having that really intense competitive landscape. Um, but I know there are some, I know it can be like a great way to bond with your teenager. You're on airplanes, you're on buses, you're traveling together, you're, you know, bonding with other families. So this is not, not to knock that experience at all. Um, but maybe to offer, offer that it's not the only path, um, to enjoying activities with your kids. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, before we wrap up, do you have a mother of reinvention, um, season two coming up this week? Yes. So mother of reinvention will season two will be launching, um, September 16th. So the episodes will come out every Thursday from September 16th into, um, November this, this time around. And this season, the focus, the theme is body and soul. So we're really focusing on like physical, mental, emotional wellness. Um, it's really exciting. I have some great, I have some great guests lined up. So yeah, check it out. Just go to motherofreinventionshow.com and like check out. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit on our socials and stuff too. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Excited for that. Um, and then this coming Friday, we have an extra episode of the Mom Hour, a bonus. We're going to be talking about very doable small steps towards sustainability in the kitchen. Um, really excited about that. So You'll just see it pop up in your feed. We're not with you every Friday, but this Friday we have a special bonus. And so look out for that. And Megan, this was fun. We will talk to everybody soon. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E R I K A dot A P P, and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening, and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.